Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in and, as always, for sharing the podcast or podcasts. I want to remember, uh, remind you to go to redpillprints.com. They've got some new items up on our Stand Up For The Truth gear page. And the candle, however, is out of stock, the one with, with the Stand Up For The Truth logo on it. But they've got hooded sweatshirts, T-shirts, coffee mugs, water bottles, uh, hats and also winter hats. They've got a couple beanies and things like that. So you can go to StandUpForTheTruth.com and click on the word merch at the top. Well, I am excited today to bring on J.B. Hickson again because he is going to be talking about the brand new release of Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 2. It just was released this morning, and as you know, J.B. is the author and author of many books, pastor of Plum Creek Chapel near Denver, and he's the founder of Not By Works Ministries. J.B. Hickson, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's great to be with you, David, always. We're going to dive into this book, and I'm looking at this, another massive volume. Well, you know, there's never a shortage of things to write about when it comes to the Antichrist spirit of the age. But um, thank you for being on this podcast the day that it is officially released to the world. Brother, what's the best website where people can get Volume 2? Yeah, thanks so much, David. Uh, Spiritoftheantichrist.org is our landing page. That's the easiest one to remember, spiritoftheantichrist.org. And you'll see both volumes there now, and you can just click on the one uh, that you want to look at. But, uh, you know, we had originally targeted Halloween as the... uh, kind of the official release dates a couple months ago, uh-huh. uh, sort of an in-your-face to Satan on his favorite holiday. But uh, we were able to get the books in stock sooner, and so we decided to go ahead and put them on sale uh, first thing this morning. And so they're there. People can uh, can uh, get them, and, and looking forward to talking about it today. Yes, before we get there, there are one or two items I think we need to address, and you probably do talk about these things in your new book. The first thing that many parents, JB, uh, are concerned about is what's been happening in the government-run schools. Now, sadly, uh, we're seeing an increase of gender transition surgeries on minors. Um, That's fact, not fiction. We're not making that up. But also what they're doing to children, the CDC just voted, I believe it was unanimously, uh, to add COVID vaccines to the list of recommended child vaccinations. And as we know, the public schools go by CDC recommendations. So your thoughts on this? Oh, I think it's diabolical. You know, I was reading uh, in Proverbs this morning uh, while I was waiting to uh, to come on the show, and Proverbs 24, today's the 24th, so I thought, well, I'll start with Proverbs 24, and it says, talking about evil men, their heart devises violence and their lips talk of troublemaking through wisdom a house is built and understanding by understanding it is established uh so i I think parents need to kind of take that to heart and recognize they need to be wise and 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 study and get understanding but yes it was unanimous and uh you're right uh, the controlled uh, compulsory government schooling system is going to uh you know really try to continue to try to force of kids to have the vaccine. Now, the truth of the matter is there there is an exemption form that most schools don't tell you about that parents can request. It's not easy, <laughs> but uh, legally they have to allow you to have that exemption. But sadly, most of the parents just go along to get along. Okay, so we're going to jump around a little bit here because I want to get to your brand new book. Um, midterm elections are coming up. I know you write about that in Chapter 7 of your book, and that is called Fake Elections. And the, one of the first uh, sections of that chapter is called, Why Wouldn't They Cheat? And I want to emphasize the fact that the left, if they don't care about God, they, don't, they have rejected truth and Jesus and the biblical worldview. And so if you're not looking at that 
and and you understand that they don't care about the Ten Commandments. In other words, you will not lie. You will not bear false witness. They they will do whatever they can, and lying is part of what they use to advance their agenda. Uh, your brief thoughts on this, because I don't I do want to get to the book. Well, yeah, I mean, I would love to just take a moment to talk about Chapter Seven in the book, Fake Elections, and uh, you know that section entitled. Why wouldn't they cheat? Really, what I'm getting that there there is that most people don't, I think, have no idea of the depths of evil that we're talking about with the Luciferian conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Most people have no idea that there are evil, evil men working at the behest of Satan to try to take over the world, as the Bible says, and usher in a one-world system. And so, you know, they murder with impunity. Satan is a murderer, <laughs> Jesus said in John 8. And uh, he's Amen. a killer, yeah. and he loves to kill, steal, and destroy. So, you know, throwing an election is small time. That's like misdemeanor-level stuff uh, for them. And yeah. uh, if I can just add, you know, I, I sometimes take a lot of heat through the years, uh, you know, going back to 15 years when I started researching all this, uh, because I, I am kind of negative about the, the reality of, of voting and the fact that the voting is rigged. Mm-hmm. But I want to be very, very clear. If, if a person, if a believer... Uh, really believes that his or her vote counts and that it's a legitimate system and that wherever you are, whatever system they're using in your local uh, precinct is legitimate, then you absolutely have a duty before the Lord to help uh, have a part in this process and vote and vote your conscience and hopefully vote for a biblical a candidate with a biblical worldview that upholds moral standards. But on the other side of the spectrum is if you have come to believe, as I have, with incontrovertible evidence, and you absolutely know for sure, I'm speaking hypothetically now to our listeners, if you, let's just say hypothetically, you know for sure that the system is rigged and that when they started using digital vote tabulation, they can very easily, with a few keystrokes, change the vote, and you'll never know whether your vote actually counted, Mm -hmm. Uh, then I think that begs the question, should you play the fool and pretend uh, to keep using a you know a, a, a broken system, and if 2020 taught us anything, David, it, it taught us in the greatest election fraud in U.S. history, and I talk about that in the book, that uh, you know they control the system. So mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that people shouldn't vote. I'm saying that people need to do the research and stop being played the fool. I I see both sides of this, and I agree with you. However, I will say I don't think we'll ever get to this point, but I will say that if just two percent of professing Christians in America would vote because millions, millions of believers, professing believers, I should say, are not voting now. Uh, even with all the fraud and all the, the problems with certain, you know, the, the machines and, and the voting system and what, what the left does to try to get dead people to vote and all that, um, even with all that, the elections wouldn't even be close because you're talking about even 2% of Christians. That's millions of people voting around the country um, do you think that would even make a difference? Because I, I think, J.B., it wouldn't even be close even if they cheated. But the chances of getting that many people who are currently not voting to the polls, um, it's really yeah, it's, I mean, it's almost impossible. Yeah, I agree with you on the second point wholeheartedly and, and with a qualified uh, clarification on the first point. So, you know, absolutely, if if the system was legitimate and every vote counted, if Christians voted, even in, you know, 2% of them, it would be a landslide. Um, but uh, when I'm talking about rigging the vote, I'm not just talking about ballot stuffing or or stealing ballots or dumping them into Lake Michigan. I'm talking <laughs> about digital vote rigging, okay. which has been around for decades. Mm-hmm. And I give a classic example of that in 2004 that there were even congressional hearings about in Chapter 7. Um you know, in that case, it really doesn't matter because, you know, some whiz kid in a cubicle somewhere can, at the behest of the Luciferians, can change the outcome of the entire election with a few keystrokes. So I just think people need to do the research and find out what's going on in their precinct, because not all precincts are using uh, digital tabulation machines. Exactly. Uh, so most most are, but not all of them are. And uh, so I've talked to a lot of people locally in Colorado who are on the front lines of trying to get rid of those uh, digital machines. And, uh, and I'm talking about vote tabulation machines, not the vote voting machines. They did away with those a long time ago. So, you know, it's uh, you're right, David. It's, uh, you know, if, if Christians would act like Christians, we could turn the world upside down like they did in the early church. 
Okay, so JB, we've got to get into your brand new book. I know we mentioned a little bit from Chapter 7, but I want to go back to the beginning. But before I do that, I want to read what's on the back cover of Spirit of the Antichrist. It says, Volume 1, Unveiled the Luciferian Conspiracy and Exposed the Plot of the Global Elite to Roll Out a New World Order. Satan's earthly co-conspirators are pulling the strings of world affairs and building an empire cloaked in deception setting the stage for the arrival of the Antichrist. Volume 2 delves further into the dark realm of the Luciferians as the spirit of the Antichrist escalates in these last days. The world is on the verge of a great satanic reset that will bring with it full-spectrum planetary surveillance and control, transhumanism, perversion, paranormal activity, Christian persecution, and more, are on the rise as the powerful globalists get closer and closer to their end game. Hold on tight. The information in Volume 2 is not for the faint-hearted. Um, talk about a very provocative uh, description of the book that draws everybody right into it. Uh, JB, tell us a little bit more as we dive into the introduction and why it took two volumes to get into all of this. Yeah, so it would be great to just kind of give the premise from Scripture. You know, the title of the two-volume series is Spirit of the Antichrist, and that comes directly from the book of First John, where we read in First John chapter 4, verse 3, uh, the, the, the spirit of the Antichrist is now already in the world. And so what I did was simply go through the Word of God and, and find all of the characteristics of the future Antichrist, capital A, and there's no shortage of information about him in the Bible from the Old Testament and New Testament alike. And then I collated that down into seven primary characteristics of this future uh, global tyrant who will rule the world at the behest of Satan. Mm. And then having distilled that into seven categories, I said, very simply that, you know, Jesus told us to watch for the signs of the times, and, you know, if we're getting close to the rapture, we ought to see an upsurge in each of those seven characteristics, because God's Word says that spirit is already at work in the world. And so mm. after 15 years of research, I was just blown away at what was really happening right under our noses, and we didn't even realize it. I mean, we, we were very deceived. Uh, we tend to believe uh, the mainstream narrative about most things, and we just don't recognize how quickly things are happening. So Volume 1 dealt with the spirit of deception, or pretense, I called it, and I exposed several major lies that people uh, really uh, have bought into, uh, and I also laid the foundation biblically for the Luciferian conspiracy. I diagrammed it out. I went to Psalm 2 and showed how Scripture speaks of you know these global leaders working together to try to overthrow God and his control of the universe. Uh, and that book came out March 21st, um, and graciously you allowed us to premiere it on the Standard for the Truth. And then, you know, here we are some uh, eight months <laughs> later or so, seven or eight months later, and we're premiering Volume 2, which, as you said, is a, is bigger, more chapters, and covers more ground. But uh, essentially what we're trying to, to show is that there is a very real, tangible conspiracy involving Satan, demons, and human agents that are all collaborating as Satan desperately tries to accomplish what he couldn't accomplish uh, in heaven, which is to overthrow uh, the throne of the Creator mm -hmm. and take over creation uh, for himself and get everyone to worship him. So that's kind of the high-level uh, summary, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you look at some of the chapter titles, I know we're going to get into some of this yeah. uh, in Chapter 2. We've already talked about fake elections, but that barely scratches the surface. We get into... Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, transhumanism and artificial intelligence. I'd love to talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and a big one is the Luciferian timetable. In other words, what they're telling us they're planning to do and right. when, uh, you know. And yeah. then we get into secret societies, uh, CFR, Bilderberg, Bohemian Grove, global surveillance. Uh, one of the ones you alluded to at the outset of the program, I uh, get into that in Chapter 13 called the Gender Surrender Movement with public schools and synthetic <laughs> sex identities. So, yeah, I think we should just jump in wherever uh, wherever we can here. Well, I have a question to ask before we do. And I, you, you mentioned the chapters that I want to touch on, if not in this podcast. The next time we have you on, we will do a follow-up and we will do another podcast on Volume 2 of Spirit of the Antichrist. But you talk about uh, biometric surveillance. You talk about 
um, eight predictions for the world in 2030. You know, JB, I remember them talking about Agenda 2030, and it seemed like years ago when some of us were reading up on it, researching and warning about it, 2030 seemed so far away. And here in a couple of months, we'll be at 2023. Fascinating and how things are happening. You talk about in the secret societies, which we will get to probably next month. Um, what is a secret society? And the Knights Templar is one that has always fascinated me. But we do need to talk about other things like the Council on Foreign Relations, which you tackle in Chapter 6. The Orwellian World of Doublespeak, you talk about in Chapter 8 on Global Surveillance. The narcissism epidemic. I skipped all the way to chapter 11. We'll get to that next time. We know what that's about. Me, me, me. It's that generation. It's the, the put my selfie on social media and, and everywhere I go. Let, let people, followers find out about what I'm doing. But I want to ask you in the preface of the book, and especially for those who read volume one, JV, and know what you write about and preach about, the, the beginning, you know, you're expecting a lot of heavy topics and serious issues. And you go right to some good news. You go to you jump to Revelation chapter 11 and you mention, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So I want you to just explain why you decided to put that right at the beginning, up front in the preface. Yeah, amen. I mean, that that's such an exciting passage. Yeah. Remind- us that uh, one day Christ is going to come back. He is going to take the throne that is rightfully his. He's going to reign in perfect peace and righteousness and judgment. And when he does, he will first judge the Antichrist and the false prophet and cast them into the lake of fire. And then a thousand years later, before we enter the new heavens and the new earth, he will uh, judge Satan once and for all and cast him into that same lake of fire where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so I began with that because I want to remind Satan of that. You know, I don't, I'm not I don't ever want to cower in the face of evil. Hmm. I don't want to provoke him, but I want to remind him that he loses. That in Amen. the end, uh, you know, he, he will never succeed. In fact, God, the Bible says in Psalm 2, God laughs at Satan and his co-conspirators who are trying hmm. to take over the world. Because it's already a, a fait accompli. It's done. Uh, Jesus finished the work at Calvary. He's already won the victory. And we're just watching things play out on God's timetable not Satan's, even though, as I say in chapter uh, four, the Luciferian timetable and agenda, uh, that, you know, they have their agenda, but it doesn't mean it's going to succeed because God's the ultimate arbiter of, of what happens when. So, Well, we've got two minutes left in this segment, so I don't want to jump into a, a topic, but I do want to uh, have you give us a little teaser of where we're going to go, because I think it's important, although we have touched on the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab and his minions, and we've had Alex Newman on taking us through that. But you talk about some things that I would love for you to touch on, including the central bank digital currency and other things, just uh, touching on Chapter 2 of your book. Set that up for us, and we'll come back and do it. Yeah, you bet. So I actually am going to be giving a message uh, on October 30th of this year at a special event in Denver. They've asked me to speak on central bank digital currency. So Hmm. if you're in the Denver metro area, come on out. Plum Creek Chapel is hosting the event. It's Elbert County stands up as the event. Um, But central bank digital currencies are an absolute key part of this, uh, you know, transhumanist one world system that they're ushering in. Because as Revelation 13 tells us, the future Antichrist is going to be able to control the entire world, every single human being, what they buy, what they sell, everything. And the CBDC, as with all of the things that the Luciferians roll out, is not just about, you know, transactional money. It's about full spectrum control. So I get into several Quotes from, you know, central bank world leaders, Bank of International Settlements, Great. Uh, you know, you name it, uh, showing what they're planning. World Economic Forum is on the front lines uh, of this right now. And uh, so you'll be shocked by some of the things that they're saying. And there's even been some recent developments since the book came out. Uh, some experts are, are warning that by December 13th of this year, they we could be in a situation where they're rolling out. Uh, the CBDC, Central wow. Bank Digital Currencies. Wow. Our guest is J.B. Hicks and more coming up on Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, next on Stand Up for the Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. 
Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest is J.B. Hickson. You can get both volumes of his latest book, spiritoftheantichrist.org is the website, and his ministry website, notbyworks.org. So, J.B., we have talked a little bit in the past about Klaus Schwab, and uh, not in depth. Uh, we have talked a little bit about the World Economic Forum and its influence, not only on the world, but surprisingly on America and all that we stand for in our Constitution and our you know, nationalism. And uh, so we're kind of falling for globalism, and that's on purpose by some of the uh, elites. But you mentioned Davos men and women, and I want to eventually get to that as well. So wherever you want to start, just touch on some bullet points of, of Chapter 2 on things we don't often hear discussed. Yeah, so uh, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, is really at the tip of the spear. It's command central right now for uh, the Luciferian One World System. Um, uh, Klaus Schwab is working you know, hand-in-glove with organizations like the UN, the World Health Organization, the Bill Gates Foundation. Uh, so they are all kind of collaborating. And as we know, and I talked about this in the first book extensively, uh, the COVID pandemic was really a pretext to uh, further this agenda. They planned it. I've got 16 smoking gun evidences of why they, you know, this was planned 22 years in advance with uh, dark, the, the Operation Dark Winter. Wow. So, you know, volume two really just goes into much more detail about the World Economic Forum. It's one of the most, you know, powerful elite organizations in the world alongside uh, groups like the CFR, uh, the Trilateral Commission, Bilderberg. Um, now, you know, when you talk about Davos, men and women, that's a phrase that the media will use to refer to uh, you know, other business leaders, uh, finance leaders, world leaders, political leaders that have sort of been discipled by and grown up under Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. For example, not very many people know that both uh, Zelensky and Putin are products of the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. So they, they call those Davos men or Davos women. And, you know, the average person thinks that that's a, some kind of badge of of honor. It's kind of like being a Rhodes Scholar. They go, oh, you're a Rhodes Scholar. You must be smart. You know, well, no, both of those, the Rhodes Scholar from Cecil Rhodes and, and the Davos men and women are, to me, labels of shame, and they should cause a huge red flag, and anything yes. we hear it, we should immediately go, oh, that person is basically being trained by a Satanist, and they're not out for our good. They've been either deceived, or in most cases, they're complicit in a system of depopulation. You know, we talk about the depopulation agenda in Chapter 2, mm-hmm. uh, which is very clear, goes all the way back to the Club of Rome uh, and their book in 1972. And the Club of Rome, by the way, was very instrumental in starting the World Economic Forum. Uh, and so, you know, they, they want to get rid of people. I saw just last week, uh, David, an interview from uh, and I talked about this in an article that I wrote uh, last week called uh, "Satan is a Loser," but uh, and that's still available on our website. But there was this uh, Indian uh, guru uh, that uh, spoke at a World Economic Forum event. You know, they're every day they're having events and seminars and symposiums and have bringing in different leaders to speak on different topics. And so this guy spoke and he talked about the need to get rid of all the souls on the earth. We need to, you know, we need to depopulate and have less souls on the earth. And mm. afterwards he was being interviewed and uh, he, the, the interviewer asked him about that. Basically I'm summarizing or paraphrasing, but he said, you know, you're kind of controversial because you're talking about getting rid of people. And <laughs> the guy goes, uh, yeah, well, you know, I believe we, we need, less souls and everybody else thinks we need more souls and they both just laughed this sort of wicked laugh the reporter and the speaker and so i mean this is a huge agenda and they are they are attacking it from a variety of different angles uh, as i talk about in volume 1 uh, one of those of course is the vaccine agenda but there are many others that's not the only one i think geoengineering plays a role in this i think abortion uh-huh. plays a role in this yep. um And uh, so that's why when the Supreme Court recently ruled on June 24th, and I have this talk about this extensively in volume two here, the new book, uh, when the Supreme Court ruled on June 24th and the Dobbs decision that unborn children have no constitutional rights, uh, that was a terrible thing. It's one of the worst decisions we could have ever had. And unfortunately, many Christians applauded it. But basically what they said was because unborn children have no constitutional rights, that means that based on the 10th and 14th Amendments, that the states can decide for themselves. And so, yeah, right now we've got some states 
rightly so, that have banned abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know that we have no they have no constitutional rights. If they did, they, it wouldn't be up to the states. I mean, the Constitution guarantees life to our citizens, and so you, you only you only defer to the states on things that are unclear. And and the, the, the Supreme Court decided emphatically it's unclear. So the Dobbs decision was a geographical one, not a constitutional one. It decided where you can kill your baby, not if you can. And so you know they're trying to depopulate, and you know the uh, the, the the World Economic Forum is absolutely at the tip of the spear in all of that. And then, um, you know, I'll let you comment, but then we can come back and talk about sure. where CBDCs fit into sure. all of that. Sure. Okay. I have, a, I have a follow-up question. You mentioned Zelensky, and we have to just go there briefly, JB, because he is, I don't want to say a disciple of radical uh, Canada's uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, but he mentioned he was a role model for him. And this guy, Zelensky, is a globalist. And I want to differentiate between the government of Ukraine and the people there, the innocent people there that are being, that are suffering, and the church in Ukraine. Would you like to comment on that? Well, yeah, of course. Uh, the Spirit of God is alive and well throughout the globe, and there are men and women of faith in every country, and uh, there are injustices in every country. And we we should always be on the side of justice and and uh, freedom and protect those that are being persecuted for whatever reason, but people don't need to get sucked into the, the fake narrative uh, that uh, Ukraine is good and Russia is bad. They're both bad, <laughs> and it's all part of the plan. If you look at Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, the, the regions of Ukraine that Russia has recaptured and is attempting to recapture are all in southern Russia, and the Bible makes it clear that uh, Russia is going to invade from the north someday to try to attack Israel or go through uh, what is now Ukraine or kind of occupied portions of Ukraine by Russia, then Syria, and then straight into uh, Israel. So uh, there's something much bigger at play here. Uh, but absolutely, you know, even in countries like, uh, you know, Syria and Lebanon, there are innocent people that are suffering and hurting. And, and, and so we don't want to, you know, paint with too broad of a brush. Yeah. And, but, but, but geopolitically, What's happening is essentially ripped from the pages of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Fascinating times. Um, let's go back to chapter 2 in Spirit of the Antichrist, volume 2. You talk about the central bank digital currency, and we haven't talked about that. And then you get into implantable operating systems. So it's a very lengthy chapter, but JB, can you just wet our whistle a little bit on those things? Yeah, so uh, what's fascinating is, and this went under the radar for most people, but on March 9th, 2022, uh, President Joe Biden issued an executive order require, requiring that just about all federal agencies that have any connection at all to the financial system issue reports on the viability of rolling out a CBDC. Now, let's talk for a moment about what is a CBDC, just to make sure we're all sure. on the same page. Yes. So that stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. What they're trying to do is and, and this is their words, completely re-engineer the entire global monetary system so that instead of physical money, paper money, everybody is basically uh, has a, a – think of it like a, a almost like a credit card, but it's much more than that, and it's attached to you so that you they can instantly put money in your account and take money out of your account. China's been doing this, you know, for years. In China, if you – you know, jaywalk uh, and violate that law as you're jaywalking before you get to the other side of the street. They've already debited your account for the fine. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, they can they can tell you when you can shop, where you can shop, where you can travel. They can turn it off and on. They can give it expiration dates. So every month you'll get uh, the, the government handout of so many digital dollars. And then uh, if you don't use it in the way they want you to use it, then they'll penalize you. Oh, you you drove your car too much or you, uh, you know, you used too much water or you ran your thermostat too high. So, you know, shame on you. We're going to fine you. And oh, by the way, next month you don't get as much. And uh, it's it's complete and utter mm. control system mm. right out of the, the Revelation 13. And they are working hard at it. In that chapter, I, I talk about key central bank leaders around the world, the European Central Bank, uh, the Federal Reserve, all of these privately owned central banks, just like the Federal Reserve. 
that are collaborating, saying we the time has come to get rid of of money to mm. completely re-engineer it. But they're doing it in the guise of transactional approach. You know that it's when you buy something at the store, they want to make it easier so that instead of using debit cards or credit cards or Apple Pay or Google Pay or whatever you're using, you just wave your wrist over it and it automatically comes out of your one central bank, uh, you know, digital currency account. So, uh, but it's not about that. It, as with most things, most things, it's not never about what it's about. And what they're really wanting to do is have control. The issue is never the issue. Um, yeah. You mentioned the surveillance there in, in China. They last time I, I read an article on this, they had hundreds of millions of cameras throughout the country. Um, is America catching up? Because I think they're able to capture a lot in, in public on uh, cameras. Is that part of that is, you know, surveillance. Others, it's security. Uh, just your brief yeah. thoughts on that before we move on. Oh, absolutely. I don't know that we're even that far behind anymore, to wow. be honest with you. Uh, Target <laughs> recently announced that they've been using this type of uh, technology to monitor uh, their customers. And some stores, uh, you know, you'll walk down an aisle and you know those little computerized uh, coupon uh, machines that spit out coupons, yeah. uh, they will c- cater those based on your proximity um, and using your smartphone at this point, but eventually it's going to be the implantable chips. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and they'll spit out things that are targeted just to you, just like they do at the checkout counter when you check out. So, yeah, there are, you know, there are cameras absolutely everywhere. Uh, that's why I say uh, Catherine Austin Fitz has written a ton about this, and she talks about how they're going to use it to control travel. You know, mm. they won't need, you know, uh, to, to do uh, other no-fly lists and things like that. They'll just, you'll have to scan your digital uh, identity, and if you're if they don't want you to fly, you're not getting on the bus or the plane or, or whatever you're trying to get on. Wow, fascinating. Um, so, JB, now biometric surveillance, you just described a little bit about that. And in that same chapter, and we're just touching on Chapter 2, uh, Im- what are implantable operating systems? Are you talking about the, the chip or things that can be implanted in people? Uh, not just the chip, but it's actually microscopic, and it can be in, in the bloodstream. In fact, there's quite a bit of evidence, and I talk about this in the book, that Moderna uh, used that technology uh, you know, in, in their uh, vaccine, their so-called vaccine. In fact, I talk about this in the book, give the citations. Their original uh, tagline for the company was hacking the software of life. Now, they've since scrubbed it from their website, but you can go into the Internet Archives and find it. But their whole goal was to, and they they still have this article out there from one of the CEOs, that, you know, they want basically to treat the body like an operating system. You can give it updates. You can, uh, you know, improve on it. And annually you'll get a shot and that'll, it'll give you more technology. So Catherine Austin Fitz was talking about this way back at the beginning of the pandemic before we even were thinking about a vaccine. And, um, you know, she talks about how there are fates worse than death. And, and, uh, you know, she did not, you know, re- recommend it at all. So yeah, I would definitely encourage readers to read that section. Uh, it's in that chapter two. But, you know, biometric surveillance basically just means surveillance uh, using your your body, not using external cameras and things like we're accustomed to. But, you know, facial recognition technology, DNA technology, you know, some of us were sounding the alarm years ago about all of this, uh, these new companies where you can trace your genealogy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, well, now it's on record that the FBI is using the data that people upload to those uh, you know, family tree you know, tools where you can try to trace your genealogy to, to solve crimes. And, and they're doing it by triangulating uh, different DNAs and, and sort of narrowing the field and saying, well, this criminal has to come from this part of the country, from this sort of you know, subset, and then they narrow the field and then they go find the criminal. Now, you may think that's fine, but it terrifies me that they're going to take my private DNA and 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 play uh you know crime stopper with it so wow uh, lots of this is all under the broad heading of biometric uh surveillance using modern technology and smart quote unquote smart technology uh to create this technocratic 
uh, tyrannical world. So, JB, we only have three minutes left in this segment, and what you just shared flows naturally into the topic of transhumanism and artificial intelligence. So we can talk more about that when we come back from our break. But I love one of the sub headings is I can't believe it's not human. So give us a little <laughs> little bit of an overview on what what some of us have a hard time believing is happening and they're experimenting on these things transhumanism. Yeah, that's a bit, very heavy topic. We're going to talk about uh uh you all know Harari and yep. the blasphemous things that he's said, but he's kind of the front man in this right now. He's uh, uh Klaus Schwab's sidekick. Um and, uh, you know, he said some pretty blasphemous things, which we can talk about after the break. But basically, he says, we just don't need the vast majority of the population in the early 21st century, given modern technologies. He says, you know, the common people wow. uh, who fear being left behind need to just get out of the way so that the smart people, these are his words, uh, can can run things. Uh, he said the future is about developing more and more sophisticated technology like artificial intelligence and bioengineering. And he says most people don't contribute anything to that except for data. You see, that's, they, they think of us all as, as if we're lab rats in this massive global laboratory. Yeah. You know? um, so yeah, we'll talk about that, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's their attempt to play God. They, the one frontier they haven't conquered is creating life. <laughs> and that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. And that's their, in other words, counterfeiting God. Um, I'm sure he was mentioned, Harari, under, uh, Davos men and women. Um, and he's one that famously said humans are just hackable animals. And so yeah, he, that's yeah, when, yeah. You, when you don't believe in God, when you believe there is no God and creator, you are your own God. And then the one of the beliefs is man can become God. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to become God after they're following Satan, right? Uh, they're following his, you know, tr- wanting to be like the most high God. So. Um, yes. And that's what the premise of the book, Spirit of the Antichrist, the, Antichrist, the Gathering, when you, when you talk about the, this luciferous and those, and those who really are trying to take that mantle and say, all right, Satan, let's, let's work together here. And uh, it's not a joke, but it, it's shocking, I guess, that it's happening so quickly. I, I think that's where a lot of people are at, Christians that have been paying attention We might be a little bit surprised at how fast things are happening. We're with J.B. Hickson. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk more about transhumanism and the Luciferian timetable and some predictions for the world. They're not hiding it any longer. More on Stand Up for the Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. The website is SpiritOfTheAntichrist.org, and we're speaking with J.B. Hickson, NotByWorks.org. Great ministry, great teaching. And, uh, J.B., we were talking about Yuval Noah Harari, um, uh, we have a, not, a lot of new listeners since the last time we talked about him, and I've spoke with, I've shared some quotes, actually, audio clips. I played some of those. I think it was maybe six months ago, nine months ago, but a lot of new people have tuned in, and they go, who's this Harari guy? Uh, he is evil. Um, not surprising. He doesn't believe in God, thinks we can create life, or that's what they're trying to do, as what you write about. So talk about, in the light of transhumanism and uh, Davos, disciples, and things like that. Talk about Harari. Yeah, so again, if, if we look at this through the lens of Scripture, if we were to compare uh, Klaus Schwab to the Antichrist, I'm not saying he is the Antichrist, I'm just saying currently in our world there are kind of two people at the tip of the Luciferian conspiracy. Uh, if, if Klaus Schwab might be compared to the Antichrist, then Harari might be compared to the false prophet. He's clearly hmm. a working uh, hand-in puppet with uh, Klaus Schwab, Interesting. and uh, he talks a lot, as we said before the break, about the common people. And that's another catchphrase that these Luciferians lo- love to use in their writings, and people don't really understand what they mean when they talk about it. But essentially, it's a key theme in their terminology. They 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 want us to think of ourselves as common, useless breeders, not these initiated adepts of the elite like they are. And so they, they push a lot of agendas that have common in the name, like common core to dumb down our children mm-hmm. or, you know, common past technology to track and control uh, our travels after COVID or, you know, the commons project. I don't know if you've 
uh, looked into that much. But the CEO writes, the Commons Project was founded to build a technological solution where people are the central organizing principle. It brings together the standards, ecosystem services, and tools that will transform the world. The Commons Project basically, uh, David, is just another avenue to lead us to the Luciferian communist future, mm-hmm. you know, socialist uh, future. One uh, commentator that I love to, to listen to said, you know, they see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary, but each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. So mm-hmm. we need to watch out for, you know, Harari's references to common people. This is the same guy who mocks Christianity, again, fulfillment of prophecy right out of Second Peter 3 in these last days. Um, he said that you know, Jesus Christ is, being the Son of God and rising from the dead is fake news. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also recently said that uh, God is dead. It's just taking a while to get rid of the body. <laughs> and, and what he means by that is that anybody that has any intelligence knows there's no God and that we are our own gods and we're trying to create an ultimate God through transhumanism. But unfortunately, that you know, old, archaic, passe, traditionalist view of some Christians is just, you know, it's taken a while to kind of pass away, but it'll it'll eventually die out, and we'll finally achieve our goal of getting nobody to believe in God. And, and, uh, and you know, uh, in a way, he's right, because after the rapture, at least for that moment, mm-hmm. uh, immediately following the rapture, there will be nothing but unbelievers yep. uh, on the globe, if wow. you can imagine how horrific that'll be for, for a moment. Talk about dark days. Um uh, JB, we've, we've got to talk a little bit about chapter four. And by the way, friends, this book is, I think, what is it? 354 pages, JB? Uh, yeah. And like volume one, it's got a ton of references. I think 60 pages of, of uh, citations. Wow. People can do their own research. And I'll bet you had to leave a lot out. <laughs> otherwise, oh, yeah. otherwise people would have had to, you know, bring a tow truck to the store to haul it home. Um, so the Luciferian timetable and agenda 2030. We've heard about agenda 2030. Those of us who have been trying to keep up on some of this, uh, the push for globalism and what they're doing, even with the environmental move- movement, how that falls under all this. It's communist policy. It's take, it, humans are the problem and clean up the planet. They're pushing all that. But let's talk about some predictions for the world in 2030, which is really what seven, just over seven years away. Yeah, so I highly encourage folks to to read, of course, read the whole book for context, but that chapter really lays out what the Luciferians have been saying for about a 100 years now. In fact, it's pretty spooky. You go back to the early 20th century, uh, into the 2020s, 2030s, that time frame, uh, 2040s, I mean, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, and Alice Bailey was channeling a demon. I talk about that in the book and give even the name of the demon, as according to her. Uh, and that demon was telling her in, in at least 15 times in her writings, and she wrote like 10,000 pages, and at least 15 times she references the year 2025 as kind of the end game. And uh, they they believe that every 100 years or so, this divine satanic council meets and decides what's going to happen next. And, you know, the last time they met was 1925. And so, you know, they're going to meet again in 2025 and roll out this agenda. So I have a whole section in Chapter 4, which is called the Luciferian Timetable, but I have a section that I call the Roaring Twenties. And hmm. I give several references to the Twenties, like Agenda 21, which wasn't a reference to the 2020s, it was a reference to the 21st century. But then when you couple that with Agenda 2030, you see that they are working hard wow. to, to, to usher in the New World Order prior to 2030. Uh, and again, it doesn't mean they're going to succeed because, you know, God, it's his, it's his, he's sovereign. But it helped, it, it, it behooves us to know what their plans are. I mean, Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. So uh, Satan's not omnipotent, and the plans of his earthly co-conspirators are not guaranteed to happen according to his schedule. But that doesn't mean it's not relevant. We should know what they're planning. Hmm. Anybody that's doing battle with an enemy should should want to know what the enemy's plans are. And they're telegraphing it. They think that they've come so far that nothing can stop it. And, you know, Klaus Schwab is 80-something years old, and he's he knows that, you know, he's about to uh, die if he doesn't achieve his goal. He wants nothing more than to see a one-world political, economic, and religious system in place before he uh, goes the way of all flesh. Wow. 
Um, so you start off that chapter, uh, the Luciferian timetable, chapter four, Satan's marching orders. Um, and I think that's very, I guess, fascinating to me and provocative. After all these years, when we know what he said, according to Isaiah, uh, when he was uh, in God rebelling uh, and took a third of the angels with him, and we know he wanted to be like the Most High God. So we know uh, part of this, but what did you talk about in in that section, Satan's marching orders? Yeah, so Satan's marching orders, again, goes back to the, the biblical premise of this two-volume set that I wrote, and that is that Satan is trying to take over the world, and he's dictating in the same way that we pray to God and, 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 and have fellowship with the Lord as a child of God. He communicates directly with a people. And in fact, I start out in that section talking about Rudolf Steiner, an Australian, I'm sorry, an Austrian philosopher and psychic uh, who founded Anthroposophy, a satanic spiritual movement that's kind of related to theosophy. But anyway, uh, Rudolf Steiner died in 1925, and yet more than 100 years ago, he wrote the following. I mean, just listen to this. This is stunning. He said, quote, this is in, you know, in the early 1900s. In the future, we will eliminate the soul with medicine. Under the pretext of a healthy point of view, there will be a vaccine by which the human body will be treated as soon as possible directly at birth so that the human being cannot develop the thought of the existence of soul and spirit. Wow. Materialistic doctors will be entrusted with the task of removing the soul of humanity. As today, people are vaccinated against this or that disease. So in the future, children will be vaccinated with a substance that can be produced precisely in such a way that people, thanks to this vaccination, will be immune to being subjected to the madness of spiritual life, end quote. Mm. And that brings to mind exactly the quote that I gave earlier, that I summarized earlier, of that Indian uh, guru who spoke at the World Economic Forum last week, and of many Harari quotes and Klaus Schwab quotes about redefining what it means to be human. Mm. You know, they don't think we have an eternal soul, they think we're just like plants or animals or any other thing and that they can recreate us in a laboratory and they can create the soul. It reminds me of what Elon Musk said when they asked him, you know, do you, do you think we've, uh, you know, or do you believe in God? And he said, not yet. In other words, I'm, I'm going to create God. And so when we finish creating him in our transhumanist laboratories, then I'll believe in him, you know. Mm. So, JB, we just have about five minutes left and just a couple predictions for the world in 2030. I don't want to give away, you know, too much, although there's <laughs> the book is quite a volume to, to get through. So we're just touching on some things. But how about some predictions? I think people would be curious to find out what that's about. Yeah. So on November 12th, 2016, about a year after Agenda 2030 was established in 2015, uh, the World Economic Forum came out with uh, eight predictions for the world in 2030. And uh, most people have heard these, uh, especially on conservative uh, Christian talk shows like yours. But the very first one is you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. Um, they talk about how the U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. Remember, they've got to bring down the U.S. It's the one country standing in the way of their one world government. Um, they talk about uh, being able to create organs using 3D printers. Mm. Uh, they talk about a billion people. Uh, being displaced because of climate change. Um, they talk about uh, global uh, interstellar travel. They talk about Western values, quote unquote, uh, being destroyed. Uh, well, what are Western values? Uh, you know, believe in freedom, God, the Creator, Providence, the Bible. So, yep. so yeah, they are. You know, their predictions are actually a more of a blueprint. And again, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but we need to recognize there is a spiritual battle at play, David. And, uh, yep. you know, we recognize that ourselves. We, we experienced all kinds of spiritual warfare after Volume 1 came out. And already, with today being the release of Volume 2, we're experiencing some serious uh, personal attacks, uh, uh, which I believe are spiritual warfare. So spiritoftheantichrist.org, I want to just touch on something you just said, because it's so important. And, and it, you can elaborate if you wish. Um, Western values, when you hear the media use that or someone on the left or just people in general using that uh, language, that rhetoric generally means they are against the biblical worldview and Christianity because they think the West, right, we were once Christianized, so to speak, and so they are against Western values, and so they don't come right out and say it. But would that be a fair uh, translation to say when they say this, they mean that? Absolutely. You nailed it. I mean, 
Western values to them are bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. And something needs to be done away with. Um, and by the way, in Chapter 7 that we started out the program talking about in the section of the chapter on fake elections, I have a section in there entitled Whose Fingerprints Are on the Founding of America? And we don't have time to get into it, <laughs> but I, I really I really want folks to recognize that there's there's more to the story about the founding of our country than most people realize. Well, we did uh, a show on Freemasonry a couple weeks ago, and we're going to have to do part two on Freemasonry. We actually have that scheduled for early November. But, yeah, we're finding out a little bit. I mean, we always knew you know, some of the founders, although they believed in God. Uh, there was a lot of understandings of who God was, what kind of God, and this works uh, cultish uh, righteousness, I guess you could call it. Um, so, yeah, I'd be fascinated to continue that conversation. But, JB, when you come back next month, um, we would love for you to talk a little bit more about secret societies. I think we just often hear that and we go, conspiracy. But there's so much information out there, and you piled that into Chapter 5 in your book. And uh, also, we just do want to talk a little bit more about the police state and what you're uh, talking about, the Orwellian world of doublespeak and the narcissism epidemic, uh, post-Christian nation and the public schools and things like that, the coming one world religion, which we hear a little bit when the Pope sends, tends to agree with Muslims on something, but we don't hear a lot about how that might come to be. So there's so much that you put into volume two here of the spirit of the Antichrist. So we want to talk more about that when we have you on next time. So one minute left, JB. Uh, thank you so much for being on our podcast to uh, just really get, introduce your new book, and we uh, wish you much success and uh, pray that it goes very, very well. Yeah, thanks, David. And remember, the, the ultimate goal is to bring people to faith, and we have yes. an epilogue at the back of both books that shares the gospel clearly, that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And so uh, this is waking a lot of people up, and, and we're hoping that the Spirit of God uses it to bring people to faith. Amen, brother. Thank you so much for the, the tireless work you put into this and in informing uh, people that want to be informed, I should say, and we'll talk about that uh, another time. To be continued, brother, God bless you, and uh, the the best website for the book, I'll let you say it again. Yep, spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. All right, brother, thank you. God bless you. Hi to Wendy, and uh, continue to do that work that you're doing. Likewise. God bless. All right, JB, thank you so much. Wow. Uh, and we just touched on so many of these topics, friends. That's why it's a 354-page book, and I uh, can't wait to get through it myself. Um, so tomorrow, th- Wednesday and Thursday, we have our biannual fundraiser where we are announcing the need that we are listener-supported. Uh, tax-deductible donations can be sent here to the station. You can go to StandUpForTheTruth.com and give financially. Or we just pray, we just ask that everybody prays for God's continued uh, providence for us. We've been on the air for many, many years, and God has been faithful. So, three-day fundraiser coming up. We've got some exciting guests already. We're booking through November. Uh, we're just so blessed by some of the great people we have on. I hope you are blessed as well. And uh, thanks, guys. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>